welcome to the Homegirl Next Door podcast, a show that's all about helping you find a perfect place to call home without resorting to living in a shoebox under the Brooklyn Bridge. I know that buying a house can be overwhelming, so as your resident homegirl, I'm here to make it as entertaining and informative as possible. I'll share insider tips and tricks, bust myths and misconceptions, and give you the lowdown on everything from bidding wars to mortgage rates. Plus, I'll throw in some humor to make the process a little less stressful. After all, if you can't laugh your way through a home inspection, what can you do? So sit back, relax, and let's start the hunt for your dream home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Homegirl Next Door podcast. I am your host, Shakira D, your friendly, funny, and actually really cute homegirl next door. And uh, we're going to get into today's episode. So as you guys know, on last week's episode, I said we're going to do something a little different today. Today, we're just going to have conversation. Um, We're going to have a conversation because I feel like it's a very important topic that we, we need to start discussing and finding ways to rectify. And that is the housing affordability crisis, the housing crisis. So one of the things that we cannot compromise on in this life is housing. Um, You can forego purchasing a car uh, and instead take public transportation. You can also forego the type of car you drive, right? You don't have to have the most expensive car the most luxurious car, as long as that car is able to get you from point A to B and allow you to have a more uh, balanced life. Because to be honest, I can't imagine my life without a vehicle, especially because I have two children who are school age and they do multiple activities and I also work. And so I can't imagine not having a vehicle to uh, make my day-to-day life a little bit more easier, right? So those are the things we can kind of compromise on. We don't have to eat out every day. We can eat at home. We, you know, so, you know, there's not much compromising on on eating because we have to do it. But how we eat is not, is not necessarily, or what we eat is not necessarily um, top of, it's not, it's not the most important as long as we eat, right? But the one thing that we cannot compromise on is housing. There is a very small percentage of people who live in their cars or decide to live in a RV. However, the majority of us, especially if you're in New York City, you're living in an apartment um, or a house if you can't afford it. Um, New York City has been um, notoriously known to have a housing affordability crisis with one of the largest homeless populations in the country. Um, I think they were only behind like California um, and Vegas. So with that in mind, we're going to have a conversation. Um, I'm going to share some data with you guys because I feel that's an important place to start is with the data, with the facts. I'm a huge data person. I need numbers. I need statistics. I need to see trends that will make sense to me, right? You can't just tell me something and expect it to make sense. I need to see it happening, what has been happening over a period of time, what those numbers look like. I mean, it's a a variety of numbers, right? We just don't look at one number. 
we look at a variety of numbers. So we're going to go over that. And then I'm going to share my opinion. Um, and I'm going to let you know it is my opinion um, on what I feel New York City can be doing better for its residents, especially if you've been born and raised here your whole life. And now you find yourself in a situation where you're contemplating, do I I leave the place that my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents um, built generations here, right? Um, I think that is a conversation a lot of us are having within ourselves, within our homes, and it's important. It's in, And these numbers that I'm going to share with you is going to mean a lot once we start getting into them. And so I'm going to share my opinion on that and what I feel our leaders could be doing to rectify uh, what's happening here. Um, I think it's a, it's it's disgraceful what has been allowed to happen here. Um, every administration that we have, every mayor, every governor, over the last 10, 15, 20 years has been allowing this to take place. And now we are seeing ourselves in a, in a very uh, uncomfortable position for a lot of, born and raised New Yorkers. So let's get into the data first. Um, first of all, there are about 8.5 million people in the city of New York, 8.5 million. That number has increased drastically over the last 10 years. Um, it's about a 7.7% increase from 2010 to 2020. Obviously, we know in 2020, we lost a lot of people. A lot of people relocated with the pandemic. And in 2020, we were at 8.8 million. And now, currently, today's um, today's number is at 8.5. So we did lose about 300,000 residents to the pandemic, whether they passed away or they relocated. However, that growth is still astronomical. It's still a huge growth. New York City is very diverse. We do have a diverse community. Um, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to be very opinionated on this, uh, over the last 10 years, we have seen a huge popular, a huge growth in like Hispanic and um, white or Caucasian descendants um, increasing that number here in New York City while the population, the African-American or Black population has decreased. So I found that number to be a little bit interesting. And as we go along, you guys will see where I'm going with it. So the Black and African-American population is decreasing while all the other ethnicities have been increasing. Now, that is just New York City. That is not the whole of New York State. Um, as we all know, New York State and New York City literally are like two different, they're just two different complete subsidies. Um, even though New York City is in New York State, when we're talking about numbers, we're talking about data, we have to separate it because New York City is such a huge metropolitan that it will create outliers and the data can kind of be a little bit screwed. And um, that's when you get to be like, well, this is what is what actually is happening. I was like, well, this is what's happening here in New York City compared to the 
rest. Even New York City compared to the rest of the United States, it's still a huge gap. There's a huge difference. So uh, just keep that in mind as we talk about these numbers. We're specifically talking about the New York City area, the metropolitan New York City area, the boroughs um, and things like that. And then I, when I, if I'm talking about like the immediate metro area between like Hudson Valley and Jersey, then I will say that. But for now, these numbers are strictly um, concerning New York City. Compared to New York State, the numbers are fairly the same population-wise, diversity-wise. Now, let's talk about what our average income is. Well, not even average. We can't say average because because of those outliers, the average number can, again, be, be uh, off. So we'll talk about the median salary. So the median household salary for an individual is about $34,386. Again, the average or the median salary, let me correct, the median salary for a New York City resident individual is $34,386 in a city of 8.5 million. Household, right? Household income is about sixty-seven thousand, sixty, sixty thousand to sixty-seven thousand, depending on the year. But these are like over the last three years, so it's about sixty to sixty-seven thousand. And even then, I feel like the numbers from twenty twenty are a, a little bit uh, off. But on average, eighty percent of salaries are, do fall in a thirty-one from the range of 31,000 to about 150,000. That number, right, that 150 can uh, show that the average salary is kind of increasing, but the majority, the uh, majority of people are not making $150,000. Individually, they're not making that. So again, we're seeing rent increases, we're seeing inflation on everyday things that we use, gas, groceries, and the income is only creeping up. It's not increasing at the same rate that everything else is increasing at. Um, and according to, you know, there are some uh, really good websites, Redfin, um, these websites who do a lot of a lot of uh, housing research, um, even they say seventy five thousand would be sufficient for um, a sufficient salary if you want to live on your own seventy five thousand dollars, which is pretty interesting, considering the fact that the median income is only about thirty five thousand. So. What's happening here? Um, the top one percent of New York New Yorkers make about seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand dollars a year. That's the top one percent. Which is um those those are the medical industries, the tech industries. Those, those are that. Those are those industries, right? 
not everybody is into in the medical field or into tech on that level. Um, so there was a question posed. Can you live in New York City on a $50,000 a year salary? And um, the research that I did is if you get a roommate, um, you live in an affordable neighborhood, which there's not many affordable housing available. We'll talk about that. Uh, Groceries and transportation, you would need to earn about $50,000 a year and keep yourself on a $4,000 a month budget. Now let's go into another set. While we're talking about a $4,000 a month budget, that is what um, some people say you should make to be able to live comfortably here. The average rent for a one bedroom, median rent, sorry, I keep saying average. If I say average, please know I'm talking about the median, the median number, not the average number, the median number. So the median rent in in New York City is $2,198 for a one bedroom and $2,200 for a two bedroom. And this is July's report from June. That means rents are up 2.4% month over month. Rent is up for a one bedroom and two bedroom, not um, income-based housing, affordable housing. This is just regular, regular apartments, one bedroom, two bedroom, between $2,100 and $2,200. That's a 2.4% increase month over month and a 0.5% increase year over year. Year over year, guys. Rent has been increasing at a half percent year over year, the last 10 years, while the income has not has not kept up. I believe, I think the income has increased 0.1% over the last 10 years, which is not huge at all. Um, and like I said, this is for a one bedroom and a two bedroom. If you are like me and you have multiple children, I have two children, two preteen children, right? A three bedroom for us. And this is in Queens. Okay. This is not Brooklyn. Um, I will never live in the Bronx. That's just too far. This is, this is in Queens, a three bedroom costs $2,900. And that actually came down from 3,300 just last year. So last year rents increased extremely, uh, rents were increased about 11%. Um, over last year. And now they have decreased this year, which is a good thing because they were just, it was just ridiculous what uh, people, I mean, and it was because of the, um, it was because of the pandemic and a lot of people leaving and people and, you know, landlords wanting to rent out their spaces. So they rented out, rented them out for less than market value, but now they need to make that money back. So rents did increase by 11%. And they have came down this year to um, this, I think six months into this year, rents have just increased. Well, I don't want to say just, but rents have increased 8% this year, which is a little bit slower compared to last year, but come on, 8% already six months into the year. 
And we are number five for rent growth for the month of June. New York City, number five. So a 2.4% increase in rent. Um, overall, compared to the rest of the United States, uh, we are the number most, the number 11 most expensive large city in the US. So across all bedroom sizes, the median rent is $21.98. So almost $2,200, the median um, rent for one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom. Where are you getting a three or four bedroom apartment here in New York City? I'm not sure. Um, those are usually like the houses and the townhomes and those will run you 3K or more. So we're number 11 as the most expensive large city. So if you have family, if you have multiple children, talk to me, like, are you guys living in a one bedroom, two bedroom? Are you living with family? Most of the people I know who don't live with family, who forego living with family, they do live in a one or two bedroom apartment. Most of the people I know have one or two children. So a one or two bedroom apartment, um, they make it work because obviously you can't compromise on housing. And New York City does a poor job with its homeless population. And um, yeah, we can we can do so much better by our people. So much better. So rent rent increases for subsidized housing, affordable housing. So we talked about this on the last episode. So as you guys know, for two-year leases, beginning in October, it is going to increase by 3.2%. First year is going to be a 2.75% increase. And then the second year, it is going to be a 3.2% increase. These are the guidelines that our leaders agreed upon. And that is for a two-year lease beginning in October. For one-year leases on rent-stabilized housing, um, subsidized housing, affordable housing, whatever you call it, it is going to see a 3% increase on your rent. Now, let's put this into context, right? We have, let's see the numbers. So I have my handy dandy calculator here. Currently, uh, affordable housing, uh, subsidized housing, a one bedroom is at, at about $1,450. I've, I've seen $1,450 for a one bedroom subsidized affordable housing. They're talking about a three percent increase if you have a one year lease. So fourteen fifty times that three percent, so your rent is going to increase by about forty three dollars and fifty cents for the year. Forty three dollars and fifty cents might not seem like a lot, right? That might not seem like a lot. However, if you're only making Let's say you make minimum wage, which minimum wage here in New York City is $18 an hour. You're making about 
before taxes, $2,800 if you are working full-time. Once you pay your taxes, you're literally bringing home almost $1,700, So you're bringing home about $1,800. We'll, we'll give it the benefit of the doubt and say you're bringing home $1,800. So you're bringing home $1,800. Your rent is $1,450. That leaves you with $350 for the rest of the month. You also have to pay majority in these places, in these apartments, light and gas, heat, etc. If you have a car, how are you paying your car insurance? God forbid if you have a car note, then you have to account for gas. What if you don't? What if your kids are young and you have to pay for daycare? They don't give out daycare subsidies as we like to think. So we're, there are people who are literally living off of $350 a month after they pay their rent. And you're telling them after the after a year, you're going to have to end up paying $43.50 more. So that $350 now goes down to $306.50. And guys, these numbers, I'm not just throwing numbers out there. I can guarantee you there's someone out here who is saying, that's that's me. I I know people personally, right? I know them personally who have this situation. Now, there are obviously there are things in place. There are, are programs in place like the SNAP program. They do have daycare subsidies. But again, a lot of people don't qualify for those, especially if you decide to have a partner. Right. If you decide to have someone living in your apartment and, you know, they and unfortunately, sometimes they're contributing, sometimes they're not. But the government sees that as well. There, That's where you can get your your food and your your other things from. So these numbers, this is just, this is probably like mid-level. I don't think everyone here is making $18 an hour. That's, which is what minimum wage is in New York City. I think there are people who are still making $16 an hour. Some industries, especially if you get tips, you're making about $16 an hour. And they're hoping the tips would bring that number up. So this is a reality for a lot of people. And this is, like I said, this is probably like a safe number, a safe level. But can you imagine? We have 8.5 million people in New York City. 1% make six figures. 1% of the population. So we can take away about 800,000 people, okay? But you 800,000, we're not talking about you. Let's talk about everyone else, right? Even if you have a partner, households are still only making less than $70,000 a year combined. So what do we do? Sometimes I feel like, how can I encourage people to get into home ownership when they're struggling to pay rent because they're not making enough? How can I tell a single mom with two or three kids making the bare minimum, save your money and buy a house? when she has to pay rent that exceeds her income. And God forbid if she isn't in, you know, in affordable housing or uh, subsidized housing and she's actually paying $2,200 a month for a two-bedroom, I can imagine how many jobs she has to work or how many hours at work she has to, you know, work. I can imagine you know, the family members that offer to help her watch her kids when they're not in school so she can work. 
And if she has a, a vehicle, gas is ridiculous. I spend $100 a week in gas. I'm a realtor, so I'm constantly driving, right? So it makes sense. But for someone who, you know, they have to drive because they have to get their kids from here to there, go to work, go from this job to this job, it's tough. And I wrestle with that because how can I encourage you to purchase a home here when you're looking at me like, I can barely afford rent here. Now, there are things we can do. We can encourage um, budgeting better, saving more, cutting things out of our life. But let's be realistic. $306 at the low bottom a month after rent. And that's if you work the minimum amount, 40 hours a week. I encourage anyone to get into home ownership. I have come across clients who have been blessed because they inherited um, a, a significant amount of money, whether through a will or through a lawsuit. And they're like, I, I need to buy because I need to build this wealth. And that's great. And I'm, I, I see I work with those clients a lot. Um, but I also work with everyday working New Yorkers who have worked the last five or six years and literally have sacrificed travel, sacrificed going out. They sacrifice to save up for a 3% down payment. They paid off their credit card debt. They lived with family. Who wants to live with family? And some of these, some of my clients have children and have had to live with family for two or three years. So they have done what they needed to do. My question to our leaders in New York City is, what are you going to do for those people who don't qualify for SNAP, who have lived in this city their whole lives, contributed to the city, paying in their taxes, working, putting their kids into public school, right? Because if our kids don't go to public school, who pays for that? They have done all of the things, and yet gentrification, which may be a good thing for the city, but it's not a good thing for New Yorkers because they're the rents in, increasing all around them, but they don't qualify for those jobs that people from the Midwest and other states come here and get. They're not the ones being offered those positions. So what do we do for them? What is our resolution for them? How do we create an environment where people who were born and raised here want to stay here? I think a lot of us probably don't even feel welcomed in our own city anymore. If we're not being shipped off to the Bronx in droves, we're being forced to relocate to more affordable states, more affordable cities, away from families having to start our lives all over again. What do we do for them? Now I'm not in po into politics and I try to stay out of it because my, uh, my spiritual relationship with our Heavenly Father does not agree with politics. And so my opinion 
is that I don't have an opinion and I think our leaders need to do better. You were put in these positions to do better for your people and from the mayor to the governor and even some of our own city council members, we're not doing enough. We're not proactive enough. But God forbid if a black man gets killed by the police, well, we come together then. So, um, as I said, our city needs to do better for its residents, for those of us who were born and raised here, and we want to stay here. I can encourage homeownership all day. I can encourage you to save and budget and build credit. But if what you make does not is not conducive to that, it's just talk. Um, I would love to continue this conversation. Um, head over to my Instagram, Security Realtor. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you are thinking. You guys, you know, uh, my consumers who are current renters and maybe buyers in the future, this is who I make this show for, and it's to educate and also inspire and empower you, empower you to go after that American dream. Home ownership can change your life, but you need to be in a position for home ownership. And so I would love to continue this conversation with you, whatever questions you have. In my show notes, you'll have my email address and uh, links to all of my social media. Thank you guys for allowing me to do this episode. And um, again, share your thoughts, share your opinions. And uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, We'll be back next week. And we'll be talking about what to do when you are ready. When you're ready to sell your home, if you're already a homeowner. So stay tuned to next week's episode. Same time, same place. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Talk to you later. Bye.